Well, we're talking today about some really neat new things we're doing as a church family at Cornerstone, and it has to do with orphans and with foster care and with adopting. Uh, but I want to make sure right now that none of you check out and think, well, that's not me. I'm past that season of life, okay? What we're doing today is we are looking into the heart of God. What is the heart of God towards his creation? How does God feel about people? And how does God want to use us to show his heart in this world? So if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn with me to Psalm chapter 68. We'll be looking in Psalm 68, and I want to start by telling you all a story that happened in my life this last year. I've told some of you uh, part of this story. Uh, When we were studying the Good Samaritan, I told some of you this story of this man who had fallen on the side of the road who I helped up. But I'm going to tell it to you today, and I'm going to reveal some things that were going on in my heart, in my personal and private life at that moment. So, so I'll begin with um, this day that I was driving. I think it was a Monday. I had a very busy day, and I had eaten lunch. I had a lunch meeting down by the square with somebody, and I was driving back to my church office, and I had just a whole bunch of stuff on my list of stuff to do for the day. And uh, I'm driving along, and as I'm driving, I see this elderly gentleman who's walking on the sidewalk. I see him trip and fall and kind of slide and scrape his face. And I start to slow down, thinking someone needs to help this guy up. And then as I'm slowing down, I see that there's a couple out for a walk. They're like a baby boomer-aged husband and wife-looking couple, and they're walking toward him. And I see them start to kind of help him up. And so I think, oh, good, you know, he's taken care of. I've got a lot to do. I'm off. And I kept going and turned up the street to go to my office. And as I did, the Holy Spirit starts slapping me across the face with this story of the Good Samaritan. If you've ever heard it, it's this parable that Jesus told. And uh, it's about a man who is bloodied and beaten on the road. And these religious leaders who are supposed to show the heart of God, they pass him by. And then a really non-religious person stops and helps the person up. And Jesus was making a big point in this story. So as I'm driving away from this man who's fallen down, the Holy Spirit's like, good Samaritan, good Samaritan. Really, John? You're a pastor and you're just going to leave that guy there? So, so I turn my Toyota Land Cruiser around. For those of you who know me, that's my favorite kind of vehicle, okay? Because they last forever. And I go back and... And I go into this parking lot and, uh, where the guy had fallen. So the sidewalk's here, and the couple's got him up on his feet. And I kind of pull up and say, hey, you know, um, can I help you guys with him? And they're like, yeah, you know, he's, he's really frail. He can't even walk. We can't carry him. So I'm like, okay. So we open the door on the cruiser. We get him in, uh, in the passenger seat there. And I drive him uh, back. He lives at an assisted living home nearby. And um, we're, we're talking while we drive. He's from the Netherlands. He's 93 years old. And, and uh, he's, got, uh, he's definitely bleeding on his forehead. So I get him to the assisted living home and get him inside and get their nurse. And she's taking care of him. And then I'm walking back out to the car to get his umbrella because he had this umbrella that he carries with him that was bent. And, uh, but he wanted it back. So I'm walking out to the car, and there's this, this really, for me, very emotional moment that I'm not going to be able to fully capture with words. But Because you see, here's the thing. Here's the deeper part of the story. While I was driving, I was praying about something when that guy fell down on the side of the road. I was praying about the fact that my wife wanted to adopt 
a child. And I was working through this inner tension that I had looked at the costs and they were outrageous, tens of thousands of dollars. I had been thinking about how's this going to affect our other kids? What's this going to mean years down the road? I was just struggling with the fact that this was not going to be a comfortable or convenient thing and I hadn't really surrendered to the idea. And, and when I got as I just, it was this moment when I'm walking out of that retirement home and I'm, I see the car there in this moment where, where God just like broke through to my heart and I, I started to cry and I, I just realized that this is why God gives me a vehicle like a Land Cruiser. It's, it's to help other people with. This is why God gives us health. This is why he gives us strength. This is why he gives us careers. This is why he gives us influence. All the stuff he's given to us is so that we can show his heart to other people. And, and it was just this little providential thing in God's plan for my life that I'd be driving by that guy at just that time, right when I was wrestling through all that. Uh, because it was this moment where I realized this is the heart of God, to help others with what we've been given. And, and I also learned in that process and am continuing to learn that when we step out of our comfort zone, when we set our schedule and busyness aside, when we step out of our comfort zone to help someone because God has called us to, that's where we grow. And not only do we grow, but that's where we begin to more and more understand God's heart for us when we step out to show his heart to others. You could put it this way, the more I understand how God helped me, in my need, the more I will help others in need. This isn't like just going out and doing good stuff to try and earn God's approval and get God to like us, okay? This is me really getting gripped by the heart of God and going out to show that heart to others. So let's look at a text that talks about this in Psalm 68. Verse 5, God tells us this, that he is a father to the fatherless. Now, uh, being fatherless at any time in any culture creates a, a big emotional gap. Uh, it, it creates some, some identity issues. But at this time, there were, in addition to that, there was a lot more. At this time, if you were fatherless, you were probably hungry. At this time, if you were fatherless, you were probably defenseless. Because this was a society at the time where that patriarch, that father, he was the one who, who made the income and protected the family. And, and if there's a fatherless child, unfortunately, that child's mother in this time, at this culture and society, she couldn't go out and get a degree and get a good job. It just wasn't, wasn't like it is today. So, so this fatherless idea has, has in it everything we'd think of today, but so much more. God's saying that he cares for those who are unprotected. He cares for those who are hungry. He cares for those who are without an inheritance or without a home. He's their creator. And the, the people who are beaten down in life, the people who've been abandoned, the people who've been abused, he loves them and he cares for them. He's a defender of widows. And he still is today. This is God and his holy dwelling. This is the heart of God. This is the nature of God. Next verse, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. 
So when we get this about God, when we really understand it for ourselves, then we're able to live it out for others. Now, I want to apply this to all our lives, and I, I, I don't want anyone to leave here today thinking that adopting is the only way to apply this, okay? It's one of a thousand ways. The question for us as followers of Christ is, have we really been gripped with the heart of God? And if we have, are, are we going to start to show that heart of God to the people who are beaten down and broken in our worlds? There's a lot of evil going on in the world right now, isn't there? Any of you ever get just overwhelmed with the amount of evil uh, that's going on? Uh, there's, there's, just, there's terrorist evil. There's injustice evil. There's poverty evil. There's so much evil right now in the land we live in and, and all around the world. And sometimes, is it just me or is it sometimes overwhelming? Uh, I mean, if you watch the news at all, if you don't live under a rock, some of these things that are happening, you, you read about or you learn about, and it's just like, oh, man, there's so much evil in this world. I want to remind you of a verse in Romans chapter 12, which kind of summarizes the Christian life, and it says, overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. A lot of times we see the evil happening in the world, and we think, how do we... How do we counter this? I mean, how do we counterbalance that kind of evil? Uh, and, we, and we tend to think that maybe we do it by speaking up, and there, there's places and times for that. But what God says in Romans 12 is we counterbalance it. We actually overcome it with good by getting out there and doing good things. Again, not to earn our salvation, but because we've been gripped by the heart of God. This word good in Romans 12 is the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew, when he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Let your light shine. Here's how. By, by your good deeds. In other words, as the world gets darker and darker, are we as Christ's followers these beacons of light because of the goodness that just comes out of our lives? Or are we kind of barricaded in our homes, making sure that we're safe and just griping about how evil it is? That's kind of our nature, right? But Jesus says, that's not the solution. You're not going to overcome evil in the world by just barricading yourself and being upset about it. You're going to overcome evil by good. Well, as I mentioned earlier in that story, that guy falling on the side of the road... God kind of getting my attention because I was so busy and making me realize this is the heart of God to help people up. If I'm too busy to do that, then I'm too busy. I need to just let go of some stuff. And after that, kind of surrendered this adoption thing to God. Again, not everyone's called to it, but my wife clearly was. And as I prayed about it, we clearly were, are together. So I... My wife and I, we communicate about that. And we start praying about where do we adopt from? Where do we go from here? And God started to open doors through relationships, actually through relationship with a brother here in the church of an orphanage in Haiti. So this uh, last December, just a, last month, Mel and I traveled to Haiti to meet this little girl who we're paired with, uh, who were in the process of adopting. And she was five months old at the time. And... Um, 
you know, here's what's been incredible about this journey so far. When we first decided to adopt, and then, and then we just felt led, let's go with a really poor country, let's go with a girl from a poor country, and then we added up the costs. And it was kind of like, you know, whether we go with an African country or Haiti, wherever, it's going to be like 30 to 40-some thousand dollars to do this. And people say, why is it that much? Because we live in an unjust world, Okay. And there's a whole lot of little explanations along the way, but it's an unjust world. It does cost that much. And, and so um, I kind of thought at the beginning, well, maybe we should do like some big fundraisers and we'll, we'll get all that up front. And then once God provides all the money, then we'll step out in faith and do it. And Mel was kind of like, no, we just need to step out in faith and do it. You know, like we don't have that much in our savings account, but we've got some. Let's just do what we can. And here's what we have found out. Uh, We'll, we'll step out like this, and right before our foot hits the ground, God provides for that step, okay? You got a home, you got a home study, and it's $4,500. We step out, there's that step. Now the Haitian government wants $8,000, and right before the foot lands, it's there, okay? And, and this is how it is, and our, our faith is growing because we're stepping out and just living the way that Jesus tells us to live. That's how we grow, and so many of us, we get so comfortable and we really work hard to make ourselves comfortable and we're actually working against ourselves. We're making ourselves so comfortable that our spiritual muscles are atrophying. <laughs> you, have any of you ever had a broken limb or a, a friend or loved one who had a broken arm or leg and after you've got that cast on for two or three months, that's great. Your leg's really safe in there, right? You get that thing off and you, you hardly have any muscle tone. And you have to go to physical therapy. You have to work that muscle back up. And a lot of us, when we see the evils in the world, we respond by just building a cast around ourselves, and it gets, our walls get thicker and thicker. Meanwhile, inside our hearts are just barely beating anymore. How do we get back alive? You've got to cut that cast off. We've got to get back out there and just start living how Jesus tells us to live. So here's one of the other fun things when you do that. As you step out and follow God, if you're like me, I, have, I tend to have really weak faith. And uh, we walk by faith, not by sight. But what's really fun, because my father loves me so much, a lot of times along the way, when my faith is weak, he'll give me little glimpses. He'll give me little pictures. He'll give me little foreshadowing that I just know, okay, even though my faith is so weak, he's doing this. And he did that for Mel and me in December. Uh, because we traveled to Haiti to meet this little girl. And uh, we're holding her. There's this kind of uh, porch area up on the roof of one of the buildings where, where, where we'd hang out at the orphanage. And, uh, and while Mel and I are hanging out there, we meet this really, really cool young woman of God. She's 20 years old. Her name's Jessica. And uh, she's just this awesome African-American young woman of God. We hear her singing these songs at night with some of the other college students. She's got this beautiful voice. And we get talking to her. She's 20, and she wants to study journalism. I'm like, yes! For those of you who don't know, that's what I studied, and that was my career before God called me to be a pastor. And we're just like, this is the like, coolest young lady. And then we find out that Jessica was born right there in that village and lived in that orphanage until she was 17 months old. And at 17 months, a family, a Christian family in Minnesota, adopted her. So she's grown up in America, and she's just a, you know, this Christian young woman who loves Jesus. And it was so cool for me, 
you know, because I, I think for Mel, uh, Mel loves mothering so much and adopting. I mean, she's, she's just such a great mom. I'm like, how could I deprive another kid in the world of having Mel as their mom? But for me, you know, it, there, these, there's these precious moments of parenthood, and that's great. But what I really look forward to is when my kids are adults. I want to see them out in the world changing the world. I want to see them doing things that I could never do. I want to see them outlive me. So for me, the great prayer with adopting is that someday this little girl will be going off to college, or someday I'll be walking her down a wedding aisle. So God put Jessica there, this 20-year-old, who's at that season of life that I most dream about with this little five- or six-month-old we're adopting. God just put her there to encourage me. And it was so incredible, uh, so incredible that I asked Jessica to come here today, and she's here. So Jessica, will you, will you come up and, and hang out with us for a little bit? This is so cool. I was at lunch earlier this week with um, another man in our congregation and uh, was telling him, this Sunday's going to be Adoption Sunday, and, um, and I, I really want to tell Jessica's story. And he said, hey, did you know Jessica's in Arizona right now visiting family? <laughs> I just started laughing. God, is so fun. And uh, so, so Jessica... Uh, just extended her stay a couple days to spend some time with us. So thanks for being here. Thank You're you welcome. so much. So Hi, guys. <laughs> well, Jessica, um, let's start out. Why don't you just tell us a little about who you are as Jessica? Um, what makes you you? What do you love? What do you want to do in um, life? I like to laugh and make other people laugh. It makes me happy. And I like to write and always have. And that's why I'm going to become a journalist yeah. and write a book before I turn 30. <laughs> Yeah, we connected on the writing and journalism thing, for sure. Well, it was so fun for me and Mel when we met you. Uh, we already really admired you before we knew that you'd been born right there. Uh, but then when we found that out while we were holding little Evie. Oh, she's uh, so cute. <laughs> it was just really uh, an incredible time for us. So, um, so you've grown up uh, with a Christian family, Minnesota, right? Yes, okay. Minnesota. Okay. What's right that? now, it's Minnesota right now. <laughs> no joke. My dad used to always say, God's frozen people yeah. in Michigan. So. so you've been back to Haiti, what, two or three times? Twice. Twice, okay. When I was 16 and then when you were there. So. Okay, okay. So tell us, you know, the first time you were back, obviously your, your parents, I'm sure, had told you about what life was like there. But the first time you actually went there, uh, what were some of the things that were the most surprising to you? Well, just um, the little bit that they have. They seem to find happiness mm -hmm. still with just like simple things. Yeah. And that was kind of cool to see. And I had read a lot about it and seen lots of videos about it. So it wasn't too, well, it was still a shock, the poverty and stuff. Yeah. But I had didn't, done my homework or whatever, so. Yeah. Wow. You know, um, it's not... Uh, totally unusual. Part of the reason there's a lot of orphanages there is it's not unusual for girls at age 13 or 14 or 15 to, to get pregnant there. And, and um, that's part of why, as Mel and I were praying, once we kind of narrowed in on Haiti, that we thought, well, let's pray for a, a girl because um, could just has the potential to really change her life. H have you thought at all about how your life might be different today if you hadn't been adopted? 
Yes, I'll answer that um, twice. So okay. first, I, um, I can't imagine my life being different than it is now because I know it was all part of God's grand plan yes. or whatever. But um, this last trip, I met my older biological brother, who is 21, and um, he's a lot like I am, and he has the same goals and dreams as I do. He just has to work harder to mm-hmm. reach them yeah. in Haiti. You know, Incredible. Tell us a little about um, just your relationship with Jesus. Who's Jesus to you? Um, he's a father that I was given ever since birth, and he, um, he can make all things new, like my life. Um, I like to say I was given a second chance because it could have ended with me being an orphan, but instead I'm here, given a new life with a new family and so many new blessings, and it's always so amazing. Wow, incredible. Uh, anything you'd tell a family that's considering adopting, but maybe they think the cost is just too much or it's too much work? I'd say it is hard work, but um, doing good things is not usually easy. Um, And it can be easy depending on how you look at it. You know, you'll have to have your priorities straight or whatever, like... um, Expensive things or valuable things are expensive is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. So instead of getting a new car that year, you'd probably mm-hmm. save up for, I don't know, adoption yeah. or something bigger than like, like that. So Yeah, absolutely. Good. Anything else you want to share with us? Well, I wrote a poem for my family or my parents awesome. after I graduated. So I'd love to hear it. That's great. This was written two years ago. If it weren't for your love, I'd still be abandoned. If not, you'd rescued me, I'd still be stranded. The thing about adoption that every orphan should know then is you were no accident but purposely chosen. From feeling alone and without any reason to brought into a home where, like family, you're treated. What is this? Can you not see? Not related by blood, but still family we be. Do you know how thankful I am and how much I care that two special gems chose me to be theirs? I want to make it up to you and show you that I'm not worthless, but this I must effortlessly do, for you make me feel worth it. This is the last poem I'll write to my heart for my dad and mom who gave me a new start. The ups and downs are all worthwhile, and I'd like to show that through my smile. (laughs) If you are adopted and think life is not fair... Think again, because without adoption, you wouldn't even be there. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, uh, every night Mel and I got to kind of be serenaded uh, by you and some of the other young people who were there. So uh, I asked Jessica if she might actually, Chris, Jamie, our worship leader, his little brother, his brother. I'm a youngest, so let's not demean each other by saying little, Okay. <laughs> Jamie's brother was there with us, and uh, so I got to hear you guys sing together, and uh, would you be comfortable singing a song for us this morning with Chris? Thank you, guys. Thank you, Chris.
Life's uh, a lot more fun when you step out in faith and do things out of your comfort zone with God and for God. You get to experience things like that. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Matthew 25. We're going to look at another scripture together. I'll start reading this to you. Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. Jesus is talking about what it's going to be like at the end of human history on earth when all the nations are gathered before him. And he says this, When the Son of Man, that's Jesus, comes in his glory... And all the angels with him. When you think the world, when, when it does look like the world is just so full of evil, remember, only one third of the angels fell. For every demon that we see in the world now, there, there are two of God's angels. And there's going to be this just revealing at the end of human history when Jesus breaks through the cloud with eyes of fire and in this, this snow white that is blinding and with this army of angels. And he's going to sit on his throne. In verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him. You know, this day's coming. This is what we believe by faith as followers of Christ. This day is coming. Every nation, every one is going to be gathered, kneeling before Jesus, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, with Jesus, there's always two categories. There's not people who worked really hard to make their way to heaven and they were like kind of good, but not quite. So they're in this middle category. With Jesus, there's just always two categories. He says there's a wide road that leads to destruction and a narrow road that leads to life. He says there's sheep who know Christ, who trusted in him, and there's goats who didn't. He says there's people who are in the dark and people who are in the light. There's people who are children of God through faith in Christ and people who are children of Satan. There's just these two categories. It's really that simple. And so Jesus is sorting out humanity. Where will they spend eternity? Verse 34, then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Remember, this is Jesus talking, verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Verse 38, the king, Jesus, will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. If you keep reading, Jesus then tells the same story in a negative sense. There's people over here who aren't going to be with him, who really thought they were in. 
And he says, depart from me. And they say, well, well, when did we see you hungry and not feed you? When did we see you thirsty and not give you a drink? And Jesus says in verse 45, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Here's the point. When I truly know the God of heaven, my life will show his heart for the least of these. When I truly know him. Jesus saying, if you, if you live a life of good works, you'll earn your way to heaven. Well, we know from the rest of his teaching that's not the case. But we also know from the rest of his teaching, he says, by their fruit you will know them. Jesus is saying, if you've really accepted his free gift, then you understand who you were before Christ and who you are now. And so it's just who you are. You're going to naturally Show the heart of God to the least of these because you realize that we're the least of these. You realize that I was the least of these. I think sometimes as Americans in, in this age, I mean, you guys realize, you know, even 30 years ago, the kind of global communication we have now uh, is just so revolutionary in world history. And people didn't used to know about the needs of everyone in the world. They just knew about the needs of the people in their world, right? I think sometimes, if you're like me, because we, we know there are six billion people in the world, and there's all these millions of hungry, millions of thirsty, millions without parents, the need is so vast, it's so big, that if you're like me, you think, well, you know, why even try? I'm just one little person. I can't change the whole world. And so I want to encourage you with this idea. You're not responsible to change the entire world, but you are responsible to change your world. Okay, God, God never says, if, if you know me and follow me, that you'll feed all the hungry people in the world. <laughs> but he assumes and he implies and he tells us, if we know him, we will be changing the world around us. So I hope that's a breath of fresh air for some of you, but it's also, a, okay, are, are we actually doing that? Are we changing the world around us? So I'm going to give you some questions to help get this into your heart. First question, have I experienced this Father God who adopts, clothes, protects, and delights in me? In what ways right now do you need to know this unconditional love of this Father for you? Because if we haven't filled up on it, then we can't give it to others. Are there areas of your life where you need to know that you have a Father who is a Father to the fatherless, who's a defender, who wants to set you in good places? Next question, who are some of the least of these in your life? I prayed and prayed and talked with our staff team a lot as I prepared for this Sunday. But because here's what I, I didn't want to happen. So I don't want people to leave feeling like if they're not adopting, they're a second-class Christian. Because they're not, okay? The families who are adopting are not a higher class of Christian, okay? But, but here is, here's what matters, is there anyone who you're showing the love of God to that's outside of your comfort zone? 
That, that does matter. Now, who it is, how it is, where it is, is, is going to be different for all of us. God's going to give each of us different callings. But is there anyone in your life who's the least of these? Is there anyone who's out of your comfort zone, who's not what you would do in your human disposition and nature or class or, or setting, but because the love of God compels you and constrains you, you go out to them? Who are the least of these in your life? Maybe they're people who are starving spiritually. Maybe they're people who are broken down, who are vulnerable. Maybe they're people who have, uh, have just seen injustice in life or abuse. Next question, how will I change my world to start showing the heart of God? See, this was what I realized that day with that man on the sidewalk and walking back to my car and God breaking my heart about adopting this little girl I realized the thing that most needs to change in the world is right here. This is what I need to change in my world, my heart. I need to change it from being selfish and all about me to actually absorbing God's love and letting it flow through me to others. So, so here's what I want to encourage you to pray today. God... I may not know precisely which least of these you want me to feed or care for, but show me and I'll do it. That's my prayer for you as you go from here today. That you'll have a heart that says, God, whoever it is, wherever it is, whatever it is, is it selling the RV? Is it, what is it to, to maybe resource something in the kingdom? God, whatever it is, wherever it is, whoever it is, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Show me, tell me what it is, and I'll do it. That's my heart, is that we as a church would leave here today, every one of us having that heart. Well, I'm going to invite up here in, in just a moment some of our families who are in the process of adopting or fostering. Uh, and I know we have other families who already have adopted, and we might have some who are adopting or fostering right now that I don't know of, and if so, please make me aware afterwards. Uh, but as this family comes up, you're going to see a video, and I want to tell you about this video, because that song that Jessica and Chris sang uh, was written by a guy uh, who's around my age, and what happened is his, his brother and wife adopted a little girl from China. And, the, and, and as he got to know this little niece of his who's adopted, that's when he wrote this song about the heart of God the Father. I tell you that because at the very end of the video, you're going to see a picture of a girl who has a, a cleft palate. And then it, it happens very quickly, but if you look closely, you'll see that then she has surgery and it's starting to heal. And then you're going to see him with this little girl at the very end of the video. So while we watch that together, will, will you in your heart be saying, God, give me a soft heart. God, whoever the least of these are that you want me to serve, I'll do it. Uh, whatever it is that I need to let go of in my comfort zone or assets or resources or whatever else, I'll let go of that to love the least of these. So let's pray that as this video plays and as it does, adoptive families and foster families, come on up. Well, I get to now uh, introduce you to some great families from our church body and uh, 
And as I'm introducing them, actually right before I get to announce something that I've kind of uh, been just waiting for the right moment to announce. So here's one of the incredible things about this church family. By God's grace, every year these last six years, uh, we have finished ahead financially. And that allows us to do some really neat things in the kingdom. Uh, a lot of you know this year um, we gave more than $100,000 to our missionaries overseas, which is more than our whole operating budget was five years ago. So, you know, praise God. He's working through all of you in really mighty ways. One of them was is God started to grip my heart about uh, this way of expressing his love through adoption. And I looked at the costs, and I looked around, and I realized, oh, there's some churches that are able to help people out with this. And so I presented that to our elders, and our elders presented it to our missions team, which is made up of a number of lay people, a number of you. And the missions team decided to set aside $20,000 to help families who want to adopt, especially internationally, from really anywhere overseas, usually from poor countries. And then the elders saw that, and the elders said, well, we have this next step fund, which most churches would call a building fund, but we like to leave it kind of open. God, what's our next step at any time? And by God's grace, there's some, some significant resources in that fund. And so the elders looked at that and said, uh, let's do a, another 10000 for families in the church, strong Christian families who want to adopt uh, from within the United States. And uh, so uh, I get to announce that we now as a church family have $30,000 set aside. That's not all going to go to any one family. They'll probably help six or seven families. The idea is that a family would get a grant for a few thousand dollars, and then they'd be able to fundraise in their matching grants. So if they get a grant from us for four, they can fundraise another four and get eight or five and get ten. Um, so can, is, can we celebrate that for a moment, that we're doing that as a church? And I, I want to encourage you because I know I've had times in my life where I just feel like, man, I want to help out. I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. I want to encourage you. If you're attending here, giving here, you are part of the solution already, okay? We're not asking for anything today. We're letting you know that you're already part of it, okay? Uh, but as we go from here, we know together God's using us as a church in that way. But as individuals, how are we going to go out and live out that calling. And that's where I'm excited to introduce you uh, to these couples. Now, I know there are other families within Cornerstone who have adopted already, a number of those families. And there may be some others who are in the process right now that I don't know of. So if you're in the process of adopting or fostering and we don't know, please let us know. Uh, if you guys would open your programs and look in there, we've got a little insert for these families who are kind of in process right now so that you can support each of them, mostly through prayer, but you'll also see some specific needs on here. And I'm just going to introduce you guys briefly. I'm going to start down with Josh and Katie uh, McClintock. So most of you guys know uh, Pastor Josh, our youth pastor, and uh, Josh and Katie actually were not in the last service because they were helping out with our kids like you guys do most Sundays. So thank you guys for your hearts, and Josh and Katie are in the process of adopting. We just want you guys to know that we love you and we're just proud of you guys living out God's heart in this way. So I just want to give a round of applause for Josh and Katie. 
Many of you know Mark and Tracy Whitehead. If you don't, you got to get to know them. They're a blast. They're just very full of personality and life. And, uh, and so are their little girls. And in addition to their girls that you see here, uh, they're also fostering. I, you guys have three foster kids right now? One is foster adopted. Okay. One foster to adopt and two other fosters. So, and, and these foster uh, children... Um, you know, they're just such precious kids, and it's so incredible. Last week, um, sorry, I'm standing right in front of you, Sean. No, it's okay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> last week, one of these little boys who's a foster uh, child came up to me and uh, asked me to pray with him about something, and I just started crying while I was praying for him. He just has the most tender little spirit, this really bright, tender little guy. And I was crying while I was praying because I was thinking, man, God, thank you that Cornerstone is here. And thank you that there are families like these. And, and yeah, we can't foster every kid in the county, but, but we, can, we can really make a difference in the ones that we do. So thank you, Mark and Tracy. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, Sean and Lauren, a lot of you guys know Sean, uh, serves with our youth and just a super involved uh, couple at Cornerstone and uh, they've got two who they have adopted and um, we just thank you guys for helping me see the opportunity there to show the love of God to others and, and just for being great friends to me. We guys give a, a, your support to Sean and Lauren as well. Thanks, man. Give you a hug. <laughs> Well, uh, Joel and Suzanne are uh, fellow Midwesterners. They're from Pennsylvania, and uh, Mel and I are from Michigan and Ohio. And most of you are from the Southwest, so this just means nothing to you. But it's a, it's, it's a really important bond uh, Midwestern people have. So anyhow, Joel and Suzanne moved here a few years ago. They've got three um, biological kids, but it was just recently that God put it on their heart to start fostering. And uh, you guys have two right now? So you'll see on here the, uh, the different needs. I asked each family, you know, if there's one thing that people in the church could do to help out, what is it? And you'll see theirs is child care, because right now they've, uh, and I bet Mark and Tracy's might be as well. Um, but, oh, oh no, I have to talk about your guys. Okay, I'm going over, but I just have to do this, okay? <laughs> do you guys realize living in Arizona uh, okay, Mark and Tracy have their kids in a Christian school, and a, that costs a lot of money. Do you realize that 100% of what you owe the state of Arizona on your taxes, 100% of it you can designate for their kids to go to Christian school? Uh, I, a lot of people don't know this. Okay, it's called the Arizona tax credit. Just look up Arizona tax credit, okay? But I'm telling you guys, between, between just this service... We could fund their kids going to Christian school if you look that up, okay? So I just have to say it because that law will probably not be around forever. It's not in any other states that I know of. And it's literally, I do it every year for some kids who I know who go to Christian school. 100% of what you owe for your Arizona tax, income tax, you can apply to um, a Christian school for someone. It's, it's just quite an opportunity. So that's what Mark and Tracy need. Joel and Suzanne could use help with childcare and with meals. As you can imagine, having three little ones and now two more, there's times they just need to catch their breath or go out and get some errands done, and uh, they could use that. So, and finally, did we clap for you guys? Let's clap for you guys. All right. We applaud you as well. Uh, finally is my beautiful wife, my only wife. Melanie. And um, so uh, you guys have heard my story, so I don't need to tell you any more about us. But you guys can clap for us if you want. <laughs> really, um, thank you, Mel, for helping me see God's heart in this. So I'm going to pray for these couples. Why don't you guys stand with me? We're going to pray together as a church family. 
And as we're closing in prayer, here's what we're praying for ourselves. God, show me how you want me to live out your heart. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Let's pray that, let's mean it, and then let's listen and let's do it. And I'm telling you guys, it's, it's the best way to live. It's a full life. So let's pray that together now. Father, Lord, we are so thankful for your heart for us. God, if there are any in here who don't know you as their father, who don't know your extravagant, ridiculous love for them, would today be the day that they open up their heart to you and say, God, I do want to know you is that kind of father. It's through Jesus Christ, it's through the cross that we can know you as this father and be adopted into your family. Lord, I'm standing here with a room full of your people and you've placed us on this earth so that we can go out to the least of these and show them your heart. So Lord, uh, what we wanna say right now from our hearts is speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Lord, will you speak to every one of us? Will you show us needs? Will you show us people who are the least of these? And will you use us to leverage, Lord, our assets and our health, our resources and our influence, our brief time on this earth to to feed and care for and love the least of these? Lord, send us out of here, not to just learn this stuff in our head, but to live it out with our feet. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.